Now the film, uh, The Grey, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but the film, uh, The Grey, tells a story of, um, of a group of oil drillers in the USA, right? Oil drillers, they're drilling for oil, right? And these drillers, they are on a plane to Alaska in the film. And then this plane crashes in the middle of nowhere, right? Now eight of them survive, right? But soon uh, they discover that they're in a territory that is full of wolves, and these wolves hunt down human beings for food. So they've been, they sort of survived, but now they're in danger, right? And so as we watch this film, the wolves begin to kill the survivors one by one. Until towards the end, right, there's only one person left in the film. And the person left is our hero, uh, played by Liam Neeson. Now, just when we think our hero has survived this deadly wolf pack, what happens is that he stumbles right into their den towards the end. And so in the film, we have this final dramatic moment, right? Our hero is face to face with these deadly wolves. And we are asking ourselves as we watch this, what is he going to do? What does our hero do in the film? Well, what he does is he looks up, right? He looks up, literally, he looks up to heaven, right? He looks up to heavens, but instead of praying, he starts shouting blasphemies at God. And yet at the same time, our hero is praying. He is asking God for help. And he is demanding that God should prove to our hero that he is not a phony by saving his life. So his prayer before God is really a demand for God to save him. But there is no response from heaven. No response. Just dead silence. So our hero says to himself, after uttering more blasphemies at God, he just says, I'll just do it myself. And of course you guessed it, didn't you? You've already guessed it. In a typical Hollywood style, Liam Neeson makes a last heroic stand against the alpha wolf. And yes, you've seen it. He kills it, doesn't he? He kills it with a broken bottle of all things, right? Now, when you think about that scene in that film, that famous film, the message is quite obvious, isn't it? The message of the film. The message of the film is trying to communicate to us is that life is a struggle against the circling wolves of despair. But don't count on God to help you. You're on your own. So you just need to pull yourself by the bootstraps the film's message is that life is what you make it, not what God makes it. Now, it is true that what we do matters in life, right? God will not do for us what we can do for ourselves. We must fulfill the responsibilities that God has given us. God has given you specific commands. Read your Bible. Don't expect God to come and read the Bible for you. You must read it. God has commanded you to pray. Don't expect God to pray for you. As it turns out, Christ does pray for us, but you have a specific command to pray to God, and you must do that. God has given us specific responsibility in this world, right? We are to care for our families, even as God cares for us, but there are specific things that you must do. 
and you must fulfill them, right? Okay, so, yeah, we need to do what God commands us. The Bible is very clear about that. We are specific responsibility and must do them. At the same time, we are not enough for us. Relying on yourself is foolish. Why do I say that? Well, as a person, you're just one of eight billion people on the planet. And there I say, on a small planet in a vast cosmos. In relation to the universe, your lifespan is a mere blink, right? And as you sit here, you face many threats from pandemics, riots, wars, big business, big government. You are small as an individual. I'm small as an individual. None of us here even generate the air we breathe. It's just a gift God has given us. He didn't create the ground you walk on. You and I will die someday. And when we die, we will soon be forgotten. It happens to all of us. So we are small. We are powerless. So looking to ourselves or even other human beings to hold our hand in life will never fulfill our hopes and dreams. What you and I need as we sit here this evening is that we need power that can meet all our needs. So looking to yourself like Liam Neeson is, is, is pointless. Liam Neeson needs power that is sufficient in his life. You need power that is sufficient in your life to meet every sphere of life, not just today, but the year ahead in 2024 and beyond. You need God. Right? You need God. I need God. We need power from God. And you know the wonderful news of the Bible, and I'm sure you've been reminded of that over the Christmas period, is that the true God, the all-powerful God, the all-knowing God, the all-gracious God, has come to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Lord Jesus is God wearing our human skin. He's fully God and fully man. <coughs> And as we prepare to start a new year, what I want to do, therefore, this evening is that I want us to look at a passage in the Bible, which we just read, that encourages us to rely on Jesus, to rely on Him, not on us. In whatever situation we find ourselves this evening, to rely on Him, not on us. Please look with me there at Colossians 1, verse 17. It says this, And He, that is Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things consist. This verse is part of a larger section there in Colossians chapter 1 that teaches us about who Christ is. In verse 15, which we read, we are told that Christ is God made visible to us. That's what verse 15 says. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Christ is God made visible. To us. In verse 16, we are told that Christ is our creator. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things, not some things, all things were created through him and for him. 
So Christ is a God made visible. Christ is God our creator himself. Everything that exists as a beginning and the beginner of all things is our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this evening I want us to focus on verse 17. Right? That's the third truth we're making about who Christ is there. Uh, it says, and he is before all things and in him all things or consist. What does Paul mean by that? Well, I think what Paul is teaching us there simply is this. He's teaching us that Christ is our timeless sustainer. Christ is our timeless sustainer. Christ is not just the beginner of all things. He is the eternal sustainer of all things. He is the one who holds all things together. And he's not just holding us now, our life now. Christ will hold us in 2024. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. I don't know if you've ever watched the BBC TV series Doctor Who. I'm sure you have, right? Most people have. Perhaps you watched a bit of it over Christmas. Well, if you haven't, uh, it's about a fictional alien race of humanoids called Time Lords, right? That's what Doctor Who is about. And the lead character there belongs to this race of Time Lords. Now, like all other Time Lords, right, the Doctor is able to see what? Everything that was, everything that is, and is able to see everything that could be through this phone box he's got, right? He can get to any point in human history to change it, right? He can get to any point in time to change history with his advanced phone box. That's Doctor Who, right? Now, the series is very popular, uh, as you might know, right? Even though, when we think about the series now, it's going to be work, but it's still popular, right? In fact, not just a bit work, it's very work now, right? And, uh, and most Christians, of course, have abandoned watching it. But it remains very popular still with the public. Why is Doctor Who so popular? I've asked myself that question before, and the conclusion I've reached is that I think it is popular because Doctor Who taps into this yearning in all of us, you see, for someone who is truly Lord of time and space. We long for a savior like Dr. Who. Someone so like us, right, that he even uses our old phone box, right? And yet, is powerful enough to beat the Daleks of our lives, so to speak. That's why. We can relate to Dr. Who. And we long for somebody who we can relate to and has such incredible power. But when we think about Doctor Who, the sad truth is Doctor Who is not real, right? He's not real. He's not time lord, right? But the good news of the Bible is that God has come to us in Christ as our real time lord. As we learned on Christmas, Christ, Christ is like Doctor Who, in the sense that Christ has put on our humanity, isn't it? But unlike Doctor Who, Christ is our eternal God. And he is before all things, Paul says there in verse 17. And in him all things consist. Do you see that at the beginning of verse 17? The word before, and he is before all things. The word for before means prior to a point in time. 
Paul is saying Christ didn't start to exist 2,000 years ago when he entered the womb of the Virgin Mary. No, Christ is a pre-existent one. Christ has never had a beginning. He is a timeless one. As the writer of Hebrews reminds us in Hebrews 13 verse 8, he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And notice that both Colossians 1 verse 17 and Hebrews 13 verse 8 speaks of Christ in the present tense. Paul does not say Christ was before all things. He says, and he is before all things. The oldest person who has ever lived has always lived the Lord Jesus Christ. And he continues to live. Christ will never be outlived. He is the ever-living and timeless one. The Lord Jesus Christ is different from every person who has ever walked the planet because he is the God-man. Jesus is fully God, as we learned at Christmas, and fully man. We are not here this evening to revere a mere honorable teacher from the past. We are not here this evening to keep the spirit of some dead Dear leader alive. No, friends, we don't worship a dead Lord. We worship the living and timeless Christ. As God, Christ is ever living because he's fully God. And as a man, he has risen from death. That's why we worship on a Sunday, the Lord's day. And notice what Paul says here in Colossians 1, verse 17, that Christ is before all things. Don't miss that. And he is before all things. As I said, not some things, all things. Why is Paul keen to add all things? Why didn't Paul just say, and he is before things? Why all things? Well, Paul is saying to us, you see, there are only two categories of things in life. Right? Only two categories of things. There is Christ the eternal one, and there is the rest of creation, which is finite and temporal. Christ is before all things. He is, in a way, separate from all things. Why is that important? Well, because of the next truth that Paul says about Christ. Let's read on verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him, and this is the main point I want to underline this evening, and in him all things consist. The word for consist there is better translated as holds together. When we read that in him all things consist, we should not be thinking that Paul is saying the universe is made up of Christ. Right? That's not what he means. That is pantheism. Paul is saying Christ is the timeless glue that holds the whole universe. You know, scientists, they tell us about a wonderful part of the human body called laminin, right? Laminin. Now, without getting into all the sort of modern, all the jargon of um, molecular biology, of which I'm no expert, what I, what I do know is this, is that laminin is a cell bonding molecule. The human body, you see, is organized around various types of cells uh, which do different jobs, right? <coughs> all of us picked that up in the primary or secondary school, so we know that bit, right? But what is the glue that holds them all together so that the body does not fall apart as you're walking, so to speak, right? It's 
quite a, quite a, quite a, quite a vision of the body was to do that, right? But what stops that coming, what the body coming apart? Well, the answer is what? Laminin. Laminin. And that is the image Paul has in mind here in the second part of verse 17. When he speaks of Christ and he says, And in him all things consist. Paul is saying Christ didn't just create the universe and then walk away from it. Rather, like human inventors do, no. Christ continues to sustain the universe. Continues to hold it together. Steve, I don't know if you've got an iPhone here. But Steve Jobs is not part of your iPhone, is he? He invented it and he's dead, right? But even if he were alive, he wouldn't be attached to your iPhone. But Christ hasn't created us and walked away and let the universe run on its own. No, Christ will forever be the laminin that holds everything together so that it does not fall apart. I want you to think about that. You need to pause and reflect on that. There is an actual person, Christ, who is literally sustaining all things that we see around us. <coughs> Nothing in this world is running itself. Christ is holding it all together. Christ is holding your life at this moment together so that you don't fall apart. Now, when we look at the world around us today, right? In many of us, in believers, we are tempted to think, to look at the world and think, wow, things are really chaotic now, aren't they? There's so much chaos out there. But Paul is saying, look, you need to go to spec servers. You're not looking clear enough, right? We are not seeing things as they are, right? The world is not chaotic, Paul says. Because our Lord is holding it together. In him, all things consist. In him, all things hold together. Our Lord is holding together. You see, the universe is not some failed task on heaven's version of Salon Sugar's apprentice. It hasn't failed. No, Christ is holding everything together. <coughs> this past week, uh, I had... Autoglass, right? Autoglass, right? Come around to replace the windscreen uh, of the car. Uh, it got cracked on my way to the pastors and elders overnight last year at Ivy. It was very small crack there, right? The crack was quite small. But two weeks ago, I noticed that it had become bigger. <laughs> and I think that's because we drove up to Scotland, right? <laughs> we did. We drove up to, to Edinburgh. And back, and I think it kind of widened that crack on the windscreen, right? So, what well, I started off as small, I'd become very, very big. And, and I was very keen that we kind of replace it before the whole thing just blows in my face while I'm driving or something. Well, when we think of the universe, the universe is a bit like that cracked windscreen. Sin in Eden caused a severe dent in the glass of the universe. Cracked. Right? And if no one cared for the world, it would have long shattered. <clears throat> but it hasn't shattered. Now, one day God will replace the cracked universe 
right? Like what the glass came to replace my windscreen. But in the meantime, what God has done is that he's doing something that auto glass could not do with my windscreen, right? Christ our God is keeping all the cracked pieces, if you like, together to stop it from going everywhere. He's allowing the universe to still function. Yes, cracked by sin, but it's still functioning. It's still able to flourish for us. So this is the world that is fallen. It's a world that in which the, the glass of the universe is cracked, but Christ keeps all the pieces together. It's functioning. There's no chaos. We can see something is wrong, but we know it's still functioning. Christ is holding all things together. The song you learned in Sunday school is really true, actually. He's got the whole world in his hands. Christ has all things in his hand. Christ is the glue of life. And you know, friends, this truth that Christ is holding all things together is really a wonderful truth for us to reflect on. Because this truth is a, wonder, is a great window for us to gaze through the many wonderful attributes of Christ. We could be here all night. Let me just give you four quick ones. For example, first, this truth reminds us that Christ is all-powerful. Christ is all-powerful. His power is so great that he sustains all that has existed, is existing now, and will exist in the future. That's the Lord Jesus. Christ does not need to take a break to regain his strength. He does not need to catch up on some sleep. You know, our Lord Jesus does not faint or grow weary. Christ never moans at doing too much work. There's too much work in this world. Christ never moans. You know, Christ never nods off while reading a sentence of a book. Indeed, if Christ sat through the sermon right now as he's sitting through mine, he's not nodding off in heaven. Right? Because the power of Christ is always 100%. You know, Christ, our friend, does not depend on anyone. He never feels helpless. You know, no one can back Christ into a corner. Christ does whatever he wants and when he wants because Christ is all-powerful. He's the one holding the universe together. And you know, if we are true followers of Christ this evening, this all-powerful Christ is our brother, our king, and our friend. And he's using all his sustaining power for you, friend. For you who love him. So the first thing it reminds us that Christ is all-powerful. The second thing it does is that it reminds us that Christ is all-present. Christ is sustaining all things, isn't it? So that means Christ is in every place he has created because he's the one holding all things together. To hold all things together means he has to be present everywhere to hold it together. You know, you may have heard uh, the philosophical question, uh, this philosophical question, if a tree, right, it's a bit of philosophy this evening, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? Does it make a sound? Yes. The answer is yes. It does make a sound because Christ is always there to hear the sound. Right? It makes a sound objectively and it makes a sound experientially because Christ is there to hear the sound. Christ owns the tree and the whole forest together. Oh, what a comfort, friends. What a comfort for us who truly know this Jesus for ourselves. To know that the eyes of our master are always watching over us. 
that Christ will be in every situation as we enter 2024. What a comfort to know that. You know what, friends? All of last week, the eyes of Jesus watched over you. He was with you as you got out of bed last week. He was with you as you prepared your breakfast and prepared for church uh, on Monday if you had service here. He was with you as, as you prepared that Christmas dinner. He was with you at the Christmas dinner. And you know, Christ was with you last week as you went for a walk on Boxing Day. He was with you as you stocked up on Wednesday replenishing the groceries, right? He came with you for sure. Christ is always with you. There is never a place where Christ our Savior is not with you. He is in every place, in every situation. And indeed we can even say with our brother, uh, we, we can be confident that Christ is our brother Paul in the hospital right now. And others who are not well. Because in him, in Christ, all things consist. So that's the second thing. We, the third thing is that no, this truth reminds us that Christ is all-knowing as well. Not just all-powerful and all-present. Christ is all-knowing. All things are in his hands. He knows them better than you know the palm of your hand. Christ indeed knows you better than you know the palm of your hand. You know, our Lord Jesus never asks questions about anything. Christ never dreams of someday learning a new thing. He never looks at our TV screens and he sees what's going on and says, Wow! Wow, I didn't know about AI. That's new. That's a new thing, isn't it? Robots are talking now. That's new. Now, Christ knows all things, friends. The knowledge and wisdom of the eternal Son of God, our Savior and King, the Lord Jesus, is perfect. He knows all things past, present, and future. And friend, if you're trusting in Jesus this evening, what a great encouragement to know that Christ knows everything in our lives, not just some things. And that he knows everything, not just at one point, but in all of our life. You know, when I think about this truth, it comforts me to know that my Savior knows my innermost thoughts. He knows my feelings. He knows my fears. Because he's the one holding all things together in his hand. And this truth that Christ holds all things, and in him all things consist, reminds us of, of, of one, one final thing. That Christ is full of grace to us. He's full of grace to us. Why do I say that? Well, because Christ does not need to keep this world together. Maybe you're hearing me this evening and you're thinking, yeah, it's great that Christ keeps things together. Why not? But friend, Christ does not need to hold this world together. Christ is our self-sufficient God. There's nothing that we can give him to improve his life. So Christ creating us and sustaining us is sheer grace. Oh friend, we do not need, we do not deserve Christ sustaining us. We need Christ sustaining us, but we don't deserve it. We are mere creatures of dust. But more than that, we are sinners. Our sins spit at the one who sustains us. Sometimes you see 
sometimes you so sometimes you you're walking in the street or something or you're in the supermarket or maybe even at home and you see a parent holding a baby right they're holding a baby and all of a sudden the child starts slapping the dad or the mom and whenever I see that that reminds me that's me that's every human being because Christ is that parent who holds this world together now, imagine the parent dropped the baby. You're slapping me. I know you're six months old. Down, here you go. Well, the baby would die. That would be the end of the baby, wouldn't it? And you know, God could do that with us. But he doesn't. He's the one who sustains your life. He sustained it throughout 2023. And yet, from the moment you entered this world, you are born with fixed hatred on Christ. Your nature couldn't help but wage war against Christ who sustains your very life. You know, Christ will be within his right, right now, to send us now to suffer eternally in hell if he wanted to. Because by nature, that is where we belong. But Christ has not done that to any of us today. You know, by the time I finish this sentence, Christ has taken away the breath of six people on the planet. And possibly all of them have gone to hell. But Christ is preserving your life. He's letting you enter 2024. <coughs> and if you're not trusting in Jesus, he is doing that to give you time to repent and trust in him. That is how wonderful and how gracious our Lord Jesus Christ is. He's holding your life together now to say to you, repent and surrender your life to me. Now, the tragedy is that as we sit here this evening, some of us can hear all of this, right? And yet we just carry on to defy Christ. We'll carry on, we'll enter 2024, still defying the Christ who sustained us in 2023. Oh, friend, that's a tragic thing for you to do. Because when you behave like that, you are behaving like those people who bombed London Bridge. Remember that terrible bombing we had of London Bridge? Some years back. You know, that the country gave those people everything. They came from abroad, like myself, immigrants perhaps living in this country. The country gave them everything. We might even say it held their life together in every way possible. But they decided to aim their murderous weapons at the United Kingdom. The very people that had sustained them, they aimed weapons at them. And I just want to say, friend, if you haven't turned to Jesus yet, that's what you're doing this very moment. That's what you're doing to Christ. You are shooting in his holy chest with your rebellion. The very Christ who has sustained you in 2023, you're spitting in his face. Repent of your sin now, friend. Repent of your sin. Come to him, start 2023 as a true believer. Humble yourself before Christ our sustainer. Plead to him to forgive your sin based on his death on the cross for your sin. What about those of us here this evening uh, who truly follow Christ? Why do we need to know that he is our sustainer? Why has Paul written this truth to the Colossians? Well, the context of verse 17 is verse 11 to verse 12, which we read. May you be strengthened, Paul says there, with all might 
strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We don't have time to look at uh, those verses in detail, but Paul there basically is praying for the Colossians to endure life with patience and joy. And that's one reason he's written to them. He really wants them to press on with life as they stand against false teachers. He wants them to grow in being patient, grow in joy in Christ. That's the context, right? So that's the context, verse 11 to 12. And then when he gets to verse 15 to 23, Paul is saying, we endure with patience and joy. How do we do it? By focusing on who Christ is and what he's done and is doing for us. So patience and joy, how do we do it? Well, verse 15 to 23 tells us. Focus on who Christ is, what he has done and is doing for us. Now, in verse 17, Paul is saying to us, keep remembering that Christ is your timeless sustainer. Do you want to grow in joy? Do you want to grow in patience in 2023? Keep remembering that Christ is your timeless sustainer. So those are the two things we need to do in the light of this verse. First of all, two things. As we enter 2024, let this truth that Christ is your timeless sustainer grow your patience in Christ. Grow your patience in Christ in every situation you're in. What is patience? Well, in the Bible, patience is not taking our future in our own hands. That's what patience is. Not taking your future in your own hands. It is waiting on Christ our God to act for us when he sees fit. If you are a true follower of Christ, you have the double comfort that this Christ who is holding your life together is your Lord and Savior. It's a double comfort. Why? Because Christ sustains you not only as the creator, but he now sustains you as your king, as your Lord and Savior. <laughs> That's an amazing. It's a mind-boggling comfort. I think about it, it just like leaves me like, wow. I mean, think about it. Think of King Charles III. I think we all agree that King Charles cares about all of us. I mean, we may have some disagreement. But I think he cares about the country, doesn't he? He cares about all of us, right? At the same time, we do agree that he cares more about William and Harry than any of us. This is the same with us in Christ. Christ cares about each part of his creation because he is a creator. He is a sustainer of all things. But he has a special kind of love for you, friend, if you're in Jesus. He loves you and cares for you as his own child. It's a double comfort. As creator, Christ will always care about you because he's your creator. But he has come. We're one our flesh as our redeemer. And now he cares for us as his very own children with that electing love he has for us. Christ came to die for you, his child. He came to make you part of his new family, right? To share his life with you. Christ, our sustainer, now lives in you by God the Holy Spirit. And so, friend, whatever situation you are in this evening, give yourself to Christ to lead and guide you. As you enter 2024, wait patiently on him. Rely on Christ, not on yourself. Look to Jesus to lead you. Perhaps over Christmas, a family member said some unkind words and you are being tempted to take matters into your hands by letting off some steam, right? But as you start 2024, remember this truth. 
Christ is already holding you as his creature and that double comfort as his precious child. So why retaliate? Be patient when you feel slandered by someone. Maybe next month, who knows what next month might bring. Next month, next month a new boss may arrive at your place of work who's more nasty than the last one. It happens. Or your current boss may still be around and get worse. And what you're going to do is you're going to be tempted to be impatient. You feel the age to return the favor to them. But remember, it's truth we've learned this evening. Christ is holding you at your place of work. He is there. And he's holding you there. Later on in 2024, maybe a new investment that promises to end your financial struggles may turn out to be another dead end. And it may leave you empty. Some here may suffer financial loss in 2024. And they may get desperate and start going to places Christ forbids. But remember this truth we've learned this evening. Christ is holding your finances together. Wait patiently on him. Because he holds all things. So that waiting patiently on Christ is the first response for us as believers. We need to pray about that and ensure that we're growing in that as we enter 2024. Secondly, let this truth, and I'll end, let this truth that Christ is our timeless sustainer grow your joy in Christ in whatever challenge situation you find yourself in 2024. Joy in Christ is not about wearing a permanent smile. To be joyful means to have inner peace based on who Christ is and what he has done for us. During the 4th century, uh, John Chrysostom was brought before the Empress Eudoxia. She threatened him with banishment, right, if he kept preaching Christ. How did John Chrysostom respond? Well, he told her, he said, you cannot banish me, for this world is my father's house. The Empress said, hmm? But I'll kill you, John. John Chrysostom replied, no, you cannot. For my life is hidden with Christ in God. The Empress said, what? I'll take away your treasures, John. John, John simply said, no, you cannot do it. Because my treasure is in heaven and my heart is there. But, said the Empress Eudoxia, I will drive you away from your friends and you have no one left to comfort you. Then Chrysostom said to the Empress, No, you cannot, for I have a friend in heaven from whom you cannot separate me. I defy you, for there is nothing you can do to me to harm me. You know, John Chrysostom understood that Christ holds all things together, and he especially holds gently in his hands the life of his children, in life or death. When we remember that the one who bled and died for us is also the one who is keeping this vast universe together. Oh, friends, it will fill our hearts every day with joy. We will rejoice in the middle of challenges because we know whatever we are going through is not being driven by chance. It's not being driven by lack or chaos. No, our life is being held together by Christ, our Lord and Savior, who poured his precious life to save us from hell. <coughs> and his love will never let us go. 
as Matteson reminds us in that great hymn. Listen, life will hurt us in 2024. Life will hurt us in 2024. How do I know? Because you look back in 2023 and there have been times when you've been hurt by life. There will be times in 2024 when we will feel lonely and empty. We may go through situations in our families that may humble us. There may be situations in 2024 that may make us feel like everything around us is falling apart. But here is what I want you to keep remembering from the word of God here. And it is this. Painful situations do not mean Christ has lost control of your life. Because the Bible is clear. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. Painful situation in 2024 will not mean Christ has lost control of your life. It will simply mean Christ is allowing them to remind you that it is not you that you need. Pain and suffering is Christ's way of saying to you, no matter how blessed you become, you still need me to hold you to keep, to keep holding you, right? You get that? No matter how blessed you become, you still need Christ to hold you and to keep holding you. And Christ allows challenges to come to remind you of that truth because you are prone to rely on yourself. And you know that you are only here today because Christ has already kept you in so many ways. Christ is holding you, friend, and he will keep holding you in 2024. You know, if we're in Christ, we do not have a weak God. We are being held together by the all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, and all-gracious God, the God-man, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is true that our lives very often, they can feel like we are being chased by Liam Neeson's pack of wolves. We can feel like we are being cornered to extinction, right? But friends, if you are in Christ, that's not the reality. The reality is that Christ our creator not only created the wolves that chase us, he's also the one who sustains the wolves. All things, our oh, friends, you're going to point on that phrase, all things, not some things. All things are being held together by him. Ponder over that. And because that is true, beloved, we have no reason to despair. Nothing can touch us without Christ saying so because he sustains everything. What we need to do as we enter 2024 is to keep preaching this truth to ourselves. Keep reminding yourselves in 2024. To live, did I say 2022? 2024, right? <laughs> right? Keep reminding yourself to live by his word, not based on your feelings. Live by his word, not based on your feelings. Remind yourself, wherever I am, Christ is holding me. Whatever I'm facing, Christ is holding my life. And when I pray, it's Christ who holds me, who hears me pray. The more you believe his word over your feelings, the more you grow in those two things, patience and joy, to the glory of Christ and 